Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Well, welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. It is my great honor and pleasure to have as my guest today, Natasha Smith. She's a speaker, she's an author, she's a podcast host, and she's also the writer of an upcoming book called Can You Just Sit With Me? Natasha, thanks so much for giving freely of your time and your energy to join us today. Yes, thanks so much, Steve. I'm so excited to be sitting with you today. So Natasha, the book comes out this fall, September 26th. Uh, we can give people more information about how to pre-order it in a minute. But talk to me about what's what's the backstory for this particular book? Yes. So can you just sit with me? Kind of was birth in 2020, <laughs> along with so many other things. But 2020 was really a pivotal point for me um, where the world just seemed so dark and it felt literally like grief. Many people dying, you know, everywhere you turned, there was... Um, scenes of death and destruction from riots, from racial unrest, political divide. It was such a dark year. And in my personal life, I had been kind of dealing with grief from like early, even beginning in my teen years. And Mm -hmm. so leading all the way up to that, really for me personally, I, to deal with my grief, I didn't deal with it. (laughs) And there's no way to really deal with grief because grief needs a place to go. But yeah, I stuffed it because I didn't feel like I had a safe place to let it out. And so 2020 was a pivotal point for me because there was no hiding Mm -hmm. from the grief. When we live in this world of busyness, but then 2020 shut all that down. Like you couldn't escape from your home right? We were shut down. It was really not a place to kind of hide from my personal grief on top of what was going on in our world and in our culture. And so really the book was birthed out of that. Giving my own grief a place to go was putting those words on a page. No, that's so good. Thank you for for leaning into that. Natasha, if you feel comfortable, back us up a little bit into your teen years. What were some of those grief moments that, that kind of caught up with you three years ago in the middle of the pandemic, the the issues that hadn't yet been resolved or processed. Absolutely. And so in my teen years, I had a teen pregnancy, which what came along with that was a ton, a ton of shame because I grew up in a Christian home, just dealing with the shame of having a teen pregnancy. It was just so heavy. And so those type of griefs, and and then I miscarried. So I miscarried a teen pregnancy. Um, And so those type of things around, you know, how I grew up, you don't talk about that. You do not talk about it, especially in a Christian home, because, you know, you're taught this is you wait till you're married. And I believe that even now to this day, having experienced that in my teen years really kind of set the tone in how I grieved. I felt like, you know, no one cared to hear about my story because it kind of felt like it was my fault. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and so I carry that into each grief or each loss that I experienced. Um, And so there, so every subsequent loss and there were there are many losses in my stories. Like I said, it spans 30 plus years, starting with that first teen, you know, teen pregnancy slash miscarriage. It started to shape how I grieved. Like no one cared, even God. 
And so that was super, super challenging. And so that's where all the stuffing and pushing away and pushing aside really stemmed from and, and came from until this crazy pivotal point in 2020, like years and years later. Natasha, what was the tipping point for you where you felt like God did care? Like what, where, when did, when did the light bulb go on or when did, when did the skies open? When did you have that revelation that God said, Hey, Natasha, I saw it then I see it now. I was with you then, even though you couldn't see it. And I'm certainly with you now. Was, was there a moment like that? Yes, there was. So I had suffered a few different losses again in, in, in like high school. But then when I got to college, I lost my oldest sister. So one of my sisters passed away when she was 32. And so that was like my um, late teen years. Like I wasn't quite 20 yet, but she passed away my sophomore year in college. And I was like, people die at this age. You know, it was like so confusing to me, Um, but it was a pivotal point because um, at that point, when I went to college, my faith just exploded. Um, And maybe it was because I was like away from home. I don't know, but my faith exploded. Like I plugged into like a campus ministry. And so when I suffered that, the loss of my sister, like instead of running from God, I leaned so far into him. Like what, you know, what is going on? Like I pray, you know, I'm thinking I, I do all these things. I'm trying to live a life that is pleasing to God. And so I started asking him questions. Like I literally, literally started asking God questions. Like what, what is this? I thought this, and then this didn't happen. And so God in his grace and mercy, like began teaching me and leading me to different scriptures that spoke to me and spoke to my grief and how he's really with me and comforting me and giving me peace in these situations that I literally should have no peace. And so that began like the turning point even further I still feel like 2020 was more of that it's dark and where it's, can I go, but to God. Hmm. That's so good. When you talked about asking God questions, what form did that take for you, Natasha? Are you asking those out loud? Are you writing them in a journal? Are you processing that with friends? What did that, what did that look like for you? Yeah. uh, Some of all of that. (laughs) Um, I never called myself like a journaler, like people like you should journal. I'm like, no, I'm good, but I'm a writer. (laughs) So it's all the same. And so I write and to kind of process. And so I I would just kind of jot down things and questions I have toward God. One thing that I like to practice that I actually got from one of my connect groups in church is writing and burning. And so it's like, you know, just really like whatever, again, I'm, I'm such a strong advocate of grief really needs a place to go. So even if you don't have a, what I consider like a safe place, like you don't feel like you have someone that you can really let it out to, like if you don't have a counselor that you can talk to or a friend or teacher, pastor to talk to, put it on the page and you just write it out. You can write it to God. Like I'm, I'm angry, mm. you know, I'm hurting or some of the things I've said and some of the questions I asked, like, why this again? Because I've suffered a succession of losses. I've asked why me. And the cool thing about God is he's not afraid of our questions. You know, he welcomes our questions. He has every single answer that we need. What I've found personally 
but one of the big things that I've asked and and was actually um, the question or this exercise kind of was prompted from a group that I was in. Um, again, I'm proponent of safe places, finding safe places to let these types of conversations out. One question was asking God, where was he? Mm. Like, God, where were you? And I did that in a quiet time, like just shut the door because I have kids. I came upstairs, went in the room and shut the door and just prayerfully asked God, you know, where were you? And then I'll name a specific time. And I just sat in silence and solitude to just kind of just sit with God in that question. What did you hear? He told me where he was and showed me where he was. And the thing about it is it wasn't how I expected. It's going to sound funny, but I kind of expected it to, to be like him showing me the room or the hospital room. And there was a bright light or angel or something that was behind me, that, but I didn't notice it at that time. No, it wasn't that. It was the strong sense of comfort mm-hmm. where I should have been super, super chaotic in that time frame or this supernatural strength that I had yeah that he gave me that there was no other way that I could have been that strong in that moment so good to hear you say Natasha what do you say to people who are just overwhelmed right now maybe they're in a grief journey right now and they have been taught that God is out there but they're they're struggling to sense God's nearness what encouragement or wisdom do you have for them mm-hmm. start with him where you are even if it's like a three word prayer, like Jesus help me Mm. to really bring it all to his feet. Every single thing that you're feeling, bring it to him. Like sometimes I think we struggle to see and sense that, you know, the maker of the universe wants to just sit with us and be with us and that he loves us so much that he will literally listen and lend his ear to every word that we say. And so I would really tell them to, sit with him. Yeah. That's so great. Natasha, like, I love how you talk about praying in pictures, right? And saying like, God, will will you reveal this to me? In fact, just yesterday I was reading in the scriptures about Hagar. And when Hagar gets sent out into the desert by Abraham and Sarah, she's got her, her son Ishmael with her and her son Ishmael is, is weeping. She's like, Lord, what, what gives? And the Lord says, Hey, don't, don't be afraid. I see him and I see you. And then later in the story, we hear something about, uh, it's Rachel and Rachel's got twins and she feels them kind of wrestling inside her. And she says, Lord, why is this happening to me? And I love that whole idea of like praying in questions, Lord, do you see me or Lord, why is this happening? I don't know about you, but the, the backstory that I grew up in, like I grew up Pentecostal and Pentecostal, we, you just, you just shouted through your problems. Like you just <laughs> praised louder. You didn't, you didn't ask questions. You didn't have right. moments of quiet. And I'm again, I'm not saying that those people weren't like kind Bible believing Jesus following spirit led people, but there was just something about that whole scene. It was just like, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about our problems. We're not going to share grief. We're just going to muscle through. And I think that, again, while it's well-intentioned, it can be really unhelpful because what it inadvertently communicates is it's wrong to struggle, it's wrong to cry, it's wrong to have questions. How does that strike you? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That's the type of background. Yeah, similar, totally similar background, um, which I learned a new term earlier this week called spiritual bypassing. (laughs) It's a great, great image. 
No, you're right. Because I think that we, the people say like, oh, well just, you know, just praise, praise it out or like claim something different or believe harder. And it's just, we like to think that we can kind of, like, you're right to bypass or to skip over or to, to kind of fly over the parts that we don't like. That's not the gospel. We don't see that as revealed in scriptures for people who were asking hard questions. Right. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Job wrestles through it. Jesus wrestles through it. And I love, I love in Job's story, back to the title of your book. Can you just sit with me? I was telling some friends, Job's friends get a bad rap because they gave him bad advice, right? They're like, Hey, you're in this, but this is on you, bro. Like you, whatever it was that you did, that's why this is happening. But before that, it says that they came and sat with him for seven days and seven nights. And the, and the, the the great part is because they saw that his anguish was so great. Mm -hmm. I love the title of your book because it's an invitation to be able to say either to God or to friends, like, yes. Hey, my anguish is deep. Will, will you sit with me? Like, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to enter into it with me. Yes, absolutely. And I, I actually use that illustration with Job's friends. They absolutely get a bad rap, but they sat with him. And, and a lot of times people don't understand the, um, the power behind their presence. Hmm. And just being with someone who is hurting, you don't have to have all the right words to say, just your presence. A lot of times your listening ear, listening is so under <laughs> underrated. <laughs> Natasha, you talked about like when you were a teenager, the church responded to your challenge with, with some judgment and shame. What, what would it have looked like for your faith community to rally around you in that moment? What would it look like for them to have sat with you rather than to kind of walk away from you. Yes. I feel like it would made like the hugest difference and impact in my life. It would um just years and years of it would have looked like Jesus. Mm. <laughs> it would have looked like Jesus. And that's kind of where the title comes from. The can you just sit with me again from semi from the 2020 with no one was listening to one another and people were hurting but it didn't seem like anyone wanted or were, was willing to sit. So going back to, again, my teen years, someone just sitting with me, oh my gosh, it would have made all the difference. It would have felt like Jesus. It would have felt like love. So it sounds like you did find a faith community in college. Who were some of the people who sat with you then? Can you recall their names and their faces? I can, because it was, it's kind of funny because I kind of reconnected with some of them, like just as recent as this, this year. Um, Cause when I graduated from college, I moved away and there wasn't Facebook and stuff near <laughs> that time. So we kind of reconnected this year, but um, we had a pastor and then the organization um, had you know like a board so you know there's like president vice president so we actually so a group of us friends actually sat on the board so those were my tight-knit friends and not just friends brothers and sisters in Christ you know that were able to encourage me but even still even in that community none of them knew my grief story still mm. I didn't start to share my grief story literally into until 2020 in a connect group at my church. Wow. That was my first time when I began to feel safe. And I think it was because the environment that was created, I can't even describe it. It was just a freedom to express. And I felt safe. Yeah. 
That's that's so good. And I think you're right. I, I, on two fronts, a COVID reminded us that we need connection. It's not good to be alone. And then B, it reminded us, I think that there are some of us who we learned that lesson, but then we came out of COVID and life was just so busy and we missed out on so many things. We kind of kicked into high gear trying to catch up. And maybe some of us haven't been as intentional about those relationships like you were joining a connect group. And for those of us, like maybe we identify some issues that we needed to process in community, but we never engage those issues in community to, to process. What do you say to people who are like, yep, some stuff bubbled to the surface. It kind of scared me, but now I'm on to the next thing and I'm still spiritual bypassing. Oh gosh, yes. Slow down, make space. You yeah. have to make space to tend to um, whether it's grief or just you're struggling with an issue that has, like you said, you become aware of something, whether it's a pain, a suffering, grief, whatever the case may be. We have to slow down and we have to make space to process those things. Because what I've found is they bubble up anyways. And they, they show themselves in different ways, whether it's in our relationships, <laughs> our marriage, our, our parenting, those things that we're har harboring on the inside, whether it's pain and grief, whatever the case may be, they, they're going to come out somewhere. And it may not look the way we wanted it to look, whether it's anger, you know, frustration, short temper, because we're trying to deal or not deal with grief. Yeah. No, I, again, I want, I'm, I keep going back to that whole idea of the bypass in my mind. And like, yeah. when I look at a map, like a bypass, just, it goes around the city. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the, but the truth is the grief city, it will always grow uh, if you don't address it. So the yeah. road the, you can drive as fast as you want around the bypass. You'll, you'll never, you'll never get around it uh, because you got, you got to go through it. That's absolutely right. I love that picture. Natasha, how old are your kids these days? Yeah, so our oldest is 16. Okay. And then we have a 14-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 7-year-old. Okay. So now as a parent, what are you teaching your kids about grief and loss that maybe you didn't learn when you were their age? Mhm. Mm it's okay to express emotion. It's okay to cry. It's okay. And it's funny that you asked that question. Take it back to 2020. 2020 was my year. Yay. But that was my first, the first year I literally allowed myself to cry in front of our kids. Hmm. So when I say this is like fresh for me, it's it's really fresh. And God just dealing with me and just doing such a work and saying, this is a time for me to bring you, you know, start to process all this stuff that's happened to you. And I'm like, I don't want my kids to have, have to have not been able to deal with anything that they have going on. So we have a, a freedom in our home to express emotions and to process things that happen. And how did your kids respond when you got overwhelmed, Natasha? Yes. Yeah, so I could not, again, just hold the tears back. It was my, one of my sister's birthdays in our classroom and I have pictures of them on my desk and I just became so overwhelmed and I just sat there and I was like crying and so my youngest was five at the time but she came to me and she just grabbed my arm and she's like what's wrong mom and I said I'm super super sad because it's my sister's birthday and I can't celebrate with her and she said it's okay she says okay and so I just started, I just cried even more. And it was kind of that feeling like her giving me permission, like, it's okay, you know, just cry it out, you know. So I felt like I had 
even permission from her or the kids to, it's okay. I love that you said that because I think that if we don't, if we don't give ourselves permission to mourn, then we inadvertently don't give our kids permission to mourn and there's, there's plenty for them to mourn. And I think that sometimes, you know, every once in a while I'll be helping a family through grief and loss and we'll be officiating at a funeral. And not too long ago, I had an adult child of somebody who had passed away said, I've written a tribute, but I'm not sure that I want to give it because I'm afraid that I might crack. Like I'm afraid that I might cry. And I just try to remind her, I was like, if there was ever an environment where it was okay for you to cry, this is it. If you think it's worth doing, again, I don't want to make you do it, but if you think it's worth doing, nobody will shame you. Nobody will judge you. But again, there's part of us that still has that deep seated resistance to, I can't, I can't show emotion. I can't flinch. I can't crack. I got to have this steely resolve and I got to have this really stoic composure, but like, we don't see that in the prophets. Like we have a Jeremiah who is, who is weeping and we have a Jesus who gets angry and and he's overwhelmed and, and experiencing feelings of loneliness. So if Christ was fully human and fully human is experiencing the full range of emotions, then why, why would we settle for anything that that's less than that? Absolutely. I love that so much. And that is one of the points that I bring out. We are, we have the great capacity to feel and express emotion because we are made in the image of of God. And so just as Jesus wept, we can too. Yeah. And I, I think one of the hard lessons I've been learning as well, Natasha, is that we only grieve the things that we love. Like we hear about tragedy all the time on the news. And sometimes we're like, oh, I'm sad that that happened, but we don't, we don't crumple on our kitchen floors because we don't have anything invested in that. Like we have a generic sadness because hopefully we're like human and have the smallest degree of empathy, but it's only when we deeply love something. And I think that C.S. Lewis says that like, we love, we grieve hard because we loved well. Yes. And I, I think that sometimes it's helpful to remind people. It's like, we can only grieve because we experienced something beautiful. And if it wasn't beautiful and it wasn't rich and it wasn't life-giving, then we wouldn't feel that ache that, that we feel now. Absolutely. I love the fact that you have put this book together. What are some of the insights or some of the favorite chapters that that you come back to? Like what, what was energizing for you as you were writing? Oh, goodness. It's so many. One thing that I love about this book is that it does kind of bring more insight or more awareness to the many losses that we face. Not only the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job or just a huge transition, loss of our identity. Like for me, I'm an engineer by degree. I worked in the engineering field for 12 years, and then I became a stay-at-home mom, homeschool mom. And so that transition, it was a great transition, but I grieved not not being in the office, not feeling like, you know, it was just a struggle. And, And so just wanted to bring more awareness to those type of losses that can really affect us. Um, deeply as well. And so um, that's one of the things I have a whole chapter on that entitled a revealing grief. Mm. So a lot of times we hear like grief changes you and it does, but it also reveals you. Like it brings us back to, have I put too much emphasis on the engineer, Natasha Mm -hmm. versus the child of God, Natasha? It sounds like you're saying for better, for worse, grief shows us what we care about. Oh yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. So tell us the book comes out this fall, September 26th. Where can people go to get more information about it? 
Yes. So IVP.com, you can find my book there and truly because it's on pre-order now, you can find it wherever books are sold. So Amazon, your favorite bookstore, Christian book, Barnes and Nobles, you can find it wherever. And I hear you saying that this isn't just a book for people who are experiencing like the physical death of a loved one. It's for people who are experiencing a setback, a job transition, a cross country move, uh, just a death of a dream. It, that, that loss can take a lot of different shapes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And then Natasha, where can people go to find out more about you and your ministry? Yes. Thank you so much for asking. You can find me across social media at I'm Natasha Smith. Uh, my website, same name, I'm NatashaSmith.com. Great. Natasha, thank you so much for sharing uh, your heart and your dream and your insight today. Again, the book is Can You Just Sit With Me? Available for pre-order now. Hope that you check it out. And for those of you who are tuning in, thanks so much for joining us on Hope Through Hard Stuff. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.